It is another edition of Ball. He is Tom Luganville from ESPN. I am Ryan Brown as we record this. Luganville fresh back from the sidelines at beautiful <laughs> Wallace Wade Stadium for a Monday night game that surprised a lot of us. How are you, Lugs? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot. Uh, MyBookie.ag brings you the show. MyBookie.ag code next round where if last night you had had Clemson, uh, you'd have been a loser. But if you'd had Duke, you'd have been a winner. MyBookie.ag code next round for that sign-on bonus. Up to $200 on any sign-on account over $50. You've got a great sign-on bonus waiting for you there at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag, code next round. I will give my man Lance Taylor, who you'll talk to tomorrow, credit. He called this one. He said Duke would win this game outright. Boy, did Wow. He. Yeah, he did. He did. I was He's in the minority, I can tell you that. I know. I didn't say. Not a lot of people were predicting that one. What has happened to Clemson, though, Luke? What's happened there? You know, and, and again, it's it's a one game observation, and and what I saw last night was I saw a team on offense that didn't have any team speed at the skill positions. Um, in the passing game, those wideouts were getting locked down. Okay, um, I fear, and it may be premature to say this, but I fear that maybe Cade Klubzik's not what everybody was expecting him to be, or thought he was because he certainly wasn't last night but and I said this during the broadcast you know most games are lost they're not won and I don't mean that to take away any credit from Duke because Duke minimized mistakes the further the game went along but at the end of the day Clemson did things I haven't seen Clemson do since the the pre Dabo Sweeney era you know I mean that if what we saw last night would have in the old days been the definition of Clemsoning Right. I mean, that's right. that's exactly what it was. So, you know, I, the third quarter, which was completely dominated by Clemson, except for one offensive play. And that was the unbelievable run by by Riley Leonard. But the first three drives for Clemson in the third quarter went down to the one yard line, the four yard line and the seven yard line with zero points. And just the sloppiness, the penalties. I didn't think offensively they looked any different than they did last year. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like there was this drastic change and that there was a complete deviation. I think a lot of us, including myself, might have felt that it would have had a different feel, a different look to it. And as the night went on, Brownie, I got the sense that Dabo didn't trust his quarterback. Well, I mean, he made some poor throws. You know, Duke dropped a couple of picks. The interception he threw was just a terrible pass. Um, Yeah. But, you you know, the play, Luke's that I think encapsulates the game is just his game awareness, Klubnik's game awareness. You've, you've got the game on the line on that fourth down, and you slide, slide early. Yeah, and, and well, the personal foul you thought was going to bail him out until you realized, you know, how that rule worked. It's a horrible rule, and nobody, well, I mean, nobody can explain it. Well, it, except it, that the play's dead when he starts to slide. That's the only way you could call that, right? I know, but, but how do you call a play dead without a whistle blowing? Well, I'm with you on that. And, and how do you point. call yeah. a play dead without the player actually hitting the ground? Yeah, They basically rewarded Duke for mm-hmm. a late hit. And yeah. like that's just something that doesn't sit right. And on the broadcast, I thought Dave Pash did a great job of kind of trying to filter through because, you know, we're talking through our communication with people in Bristol and and nobody could give us a definitive answer. And And I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Like I, I have not. No, I've never. I watch a ton of football. I've never seen a play. Yeah, a penalty rewarded that way. Or yeah, rewarded all that way, I, you all say, I yeah. know. Yeah, and all I know is at every level of football that I've ever seen, if you take go at a quarterback that's sliding 
it's a penalty. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's like it's a yep. personal foul and it's 15 yards and it's a first down. So, listen, lots to clean up with Clemson. A lot of credit to Duke. But I, I here's the most glaring thing to me. As I was watching Duke on defense and Clemson on offense, there wasn't a speed discrepancy. Right. I can understand. Sitting there, and I was shaking my head, going, "Hmm, you know, it's uh, that that's that's not normal. That shouldn't be the case." But for the most part, you know, Clemson they they dominated the game, but they made more errors than Duke. Bottom line, uh, why is Mike Elko such a good coach? What makes him such a good coach? Because clearly, he is. Yeah, he's a really, really good football coach, and and I just believe that the kids really like playing for him. He's he's very upfront. He's very straightforward, but he's also very, very likable. And I also believe, and sometimes this happens, uh, it happened with Mac Brown getting Sam Howell when he first took the job, taking over a three and nine team. If you hit on a quarterback early and it sets that trajectory up, it kind of cures all of the other woes, right? Like all of the other pieces come into place. And, you know, one of the topics we talked about uh, on the broadcast last night, and and I think again, this is another luxury of the timing of Mike Elko's arrival. Is this is maybe one of the oldest teams I have seen in college football in years. I mean, years. Their entire front and almost the two deep is either a redshirt junior, redshirt senior, or a graduate. Right, and they have and they have them littered all over the place. So, age and maturity and experience does count for some. And then he went out in the transfer portal, added some better size, added some length at a couple of spots, and he's got him believing. I mean, I, it, it wasn't lip service what he said after the game. I mean, he told yeah. us on um, on Saturday, excuse me, Sunday, he said to us, listen, we think we've got a better program that people give us credit for. Now, you know, our schedule is going to go way up. Uh, opening with Clemson, in-conference game, at home, on the road, or excuse me, uh, opening game, not ideal, obviously. But he goes, but our 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 kids will be ready for it, and they were. They were. It was not too yeah. big for them. It was not. They got Notre Dame coming there later on, and you know Notre Dame has looked good against two cream puffs. And I hate to say that about Navy, but in, inferior. This opponents, year they were. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, this year they were inferior yeah. opponents, and they play Tennessee State. That is far from a layup for Notre Dame. I mean, this Duke team can make some noise. So I ask you this, Luke's, if you were to do a ACC power rating now, I think everybody's got Florida State number one. How quick do you get to Duke? Do you put North Carolina in front of them? Who do you put in front of Duke right now? I, I'd put North Carolina slightly ahead of them. I'd put Duke at three. I would probably have Pitt at four. Yeah. Um, and and the only reason why I would what why I would put um, North Carolina in front of Duke right now is just because of the significant level of improvement we saw from North Carolina on defense. Oh yeah. Um, I think everybody was hoping to see that they'd be better than they were a year ago, which it wouldn't have taken a lot to do that. But and some of this might have been as a result of South Carolina just not really having any players. But North Carolina looked like a really good football team. They were prepared. They were ready to go. So they'd they'd get my early nod just off of a week one evaluation. Well, you mentioned Pitt. Pitt Cincinnati is a pretty interesting game, isn't it? Five thirty Saturday. The game is at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Cincinnati, Scott Satterfield starting year number one there, second game of year number one. So I, I don't know it's, if it's the Cincinnati we saw under Luke Fickle. That's an interesting matchup, though. One of the one of the way under the radar games this week, but I find it interesting. But it's not an empty cupboard that Scott Satterfield yeah. was left, right? No, no, so no, no, he no. inherits good players. And last week versus uh, Eastern Kentucky, apparently you know, it, it looked like Emory Jones was playing lights out. You know, the two-time transfer from Florida to Arizona State, and now he's at Cincinnati, so you know, he's playing well. Um 
we'll see. I, yeah. I, I think Pitt's pretty good. I really do. And I, and I think we sometimes we got to get away from saying, ooh, Pitt could be a thorn in the side of somebody or, ooh, Pitt, Pitt, Pitt's always going to be a problem. Pitt's won the ACC in the last two years. Pitt's won a double-digit games. We got to start looking at them as actual a contender instead of somebody that could be a problem on the schedule. Now, for Clemson, they've got Florida State coming up in three weeks. It's game number four for them. Yeah, and it's in Death Valley, which is a positive. That's going to be a fantastic game. I still think a lot of people are writing, you know, the epitaph for Clemson right now. That still looks like a 9 or 10 win team. I'm not ready to just crumble them up and throw them away. They got a lot they got to fix. But they also had 400-plus yards. Will Shipley had a nice game for them. They got him the ball 23 times in that game. So for those that just want to say, well, uh, the Clemson, you know, bought a bill of goods hiring Riley as the offensive coordinator, you know, he didn't call those fumbles and the interceptions. Yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to pin it all on Riley just yet. That team still got some promise there. Well, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah. um, and you know, offensively, though, I think they'll find their way. But, you know, Cade Klubnick's going to have to be an awful lot better than than he was. And, again, my concern is – they were having a hard time getting getting guys open, and that that was surprising to me. Um, but I I do believe that we won't we're not likely to see the sloppiness from them. That that was so out of character for Clemson to go out and just just look at times like they hadn't practiced, yeah. like they hadn't yeah. gone through a drill, and we haven't seen that. And when you haven't seen it from a team. That's won two national championships here in the last decade, and has won. I think I think he's the third most uh, double-digit wins as a head coach in, in all of college football history. I mean, when it happens, it becomes more over magnified. And on a national stage last night with no competition, it was not a good look. Yeah, it was not. Have we heard from your cameraman? I know you lost him in the post game. No cameraman there. We had to do the uh, high the high twenty shot on you. Have we have we heard from the cameraman? Everything okay? So so that was by design. We actually okay. chose not to do that for the safety purposes of safety because the problem is, is that camera is not wireless. So right. you have 500, 600 feet of cable. It's about that thick. Right. It's plugged into it. And then you got the guys behind him that are looping it through. And I knew from where I was at, I could get to where I needed to go. But for him, that was just a safety issue. So from a production standpoint, we didn't we we didn't have a sky because we had the blimp and the problem is when i got elko there was no way that i could the way he was facing right i knew i had an up cam but i wasn't sure which one it was and then my biggest problem i wasn't worried about what camera it was but when i finally got through there and 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 bullied my way in somehow my ifb in the back the the, the cable came out yeah and it comes off and i suddenly realized we're on live TV and I cannot hear the broadcast and oh, my, no. my producer can't talk to me. And so fortunately we didn't have the handheld camera. Cause had we had the handheld camera, you would have seen me scrambling all over the place looking for this stupid cable. So I finally looked down on my right leg and it's dangling on the cable a little bit past my knee. And so I pulled up real fast, plug it back in and I can, I, I hear the broadcast and right as I plug it in, I hear Dave Pash go, Lugs, we got you. Are you down there? Like the timing of it was ridiculous. And I mean, you got to understand, I mean, like you're trying so hard to make sure you get there, right? Right. Because I'm right. figuring, here's what I'm figuring. Cowboy boots, 49 yep. years old. Yep. A minimum five flat. 
Okay. Yep. okay. And I'm being All chased right. by a bunch of people that got no lower than a 1400 on the SAT. That's but right. I don't think they can run. I don't think they can yeah. run with me. Yeah, I'm so, on with you. Yeah. But what happened, what I didn't what I didn't anticipate was the angle drill. Right. So I'm going directly. I'm going directly. I'm about the 20 yard line. I'm going directly to that handshake. And these the fans that got this way of me met me at, at like the point of boing at the intersection. And I got rocked around the whole nine yards, and that's where my my cable went out. Uh, oh my so goodness! Good. What a great so night! Good. You did, yeah, you did a great job. And uh, Elko is a likable guy. Duke's awesome. a you know a program everybody can get behind. Just a fun night, even in a twenty-eight-seven game. It was a fun game to watch, unless you're of course a Clemson fan. Sure. Uh, Ball with Tom Lugabell, presented each week by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign up there to get that sign-on bonus up to two hundred dollars for any sign-on. Uh, over $50, any minimal deposit over $50, and you're eligible for that sign-on bonus. Play all the games at mybookie.ag. I mentioned Lance called the Duke win. He gave that out at lanceslock.com. Great time to get on board. They got daily packages. We got weekly packages, monthly, full season um, games all the time at lanceslock.com, something every day, but especially on football weekends. The NFL cranking up Thursday night, and uh, we'll have a full NFL and college slate for you over the weekend, lanceslock.com. And uh, take those games over to mybookie.ag code next round. All right, up next, Pac-12. Great, great weekend for the Pac-12. And they've got some fascinating games coming up in week two. They were undefeated this weekend. They were the story in football thanks to, you know, the Colorados of the world and the way some of those other Pac-12 teams played. Even Oregon State on a Sunday game against San Jose. Do they have the staying power that they need, Luga Bill, or are they going to end up eating one another? Oh, they're going to cannibalize themselves. I, I don't know how they can't. I mean, we've seen these teams now, and they're all very, very good. And it's a shame because they're all very, very good. And for an entire offseason when we should have been talking about that, we weren't, you know. Right. And these these teams deserve the credit that they earned this past weekend, all of them across the board. And the, the offensive firepower and the output and even some of the defensive personnel on, on a couple the Washington's got some guys. Obviously, on Thursday, Utah is a handful, okay? Mm -hmm. Oregon's got a nice-looking young group on defense, although that was a, a complete and utter uh, scrimmage. But when they actually start knocking, you know, having to match up with each other, it's going to come down to which team can somehow create some way of getting off the field. Because the only group, if you look at it right now, the only group, in my opinion, that would be, if it's relative to the Pac-12, not relative to the SEC, not relative to the Big Ten, relative to the Pac-12, the two dominant teams on defense are Oregon State and Utah. So if if you're SC right now and you're taking on Oregon, how do you get off the field on defense? Like I, I keep talking about one possession games, one possession games. Well, these things are going to go potentially late into the fourth quarter Every single week, what is the statistical likelihood that somebody could literally run that gauntlet, go through that, and all of the teams they're playing against not have a hiccup? I just, yeah. what what if the Pac-12 champ has a really, 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 really good 10-2 and two champion and they would miss the college football playoff? I mean, it's possible, obviously. I mean, sure. it's, it, I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I could, mean, it's possible. Yeah, even with a name brand USC type. I mean, as I always say, when we get these discussions on our show all the time, what if, you know, Georgia is a one loss and they don't have yeah. a strength schedule, whatever. And as I always say, well, you got to tell me what happens everywhere else, right? I got to know, I got to know what the Big 12 champ does, right. I know what the SEC champ looks like. But in that scenario, yeah, I mean, if you've, 
if you've got a Florida State that maybe is a one-loss undefeated team, you've got an undefeated SEC team, an undefeated Pac-12 or a Big Ten team, a good Big 12 team, yeah. I mean, a 10-2, and two, good 10-2 and two team could get left out. Well, now and, you, and now you add a Colorado in the mix that could potentially knock somebody else no, right. off because they can score that nobody would have been talking about being in that conversation with Oregon, with, you know, with, with Washington and, and, and SC. And, and listen, we're going to see, you know, Arizona is going to play Mississippi state uh, th this coming week. We'll see, you know, they, they gave Mississippi state all they could handle in Tucson last year and they've got a quarterback in Jaden Delora as well. So I I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. If Utah gets healthy, because they beat that Florida team to a pulp with eight starters out, and two backup quarterbacks, they're 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 a, a major problem. They are. Uh, we're going to come back to Oregon, Texas at the end. Texas Tech, excuse me, Oregon, Texas Tech at the end. But I want to ask you about a couple of these Pac-12 games. Um, I want to start with Wisconsin-Washington State. Cam Ward, the transfer, is number two after one week yep. in passing in the country. Wisconsin, I watched that game thinking I would see a different-looking Wisconsin offense, and it felt like Luke Fickle came in and said, you know, this style of plays worked for 20 years. Why change it? I know it'll probably be a slower change. I just thought Phil Longo would have it looking a little bit different on the offensive side of the ball. Interesting game uh, mm -hmm. at Wazoo with Wisconsin going in there. Well, I believe the reason why it doesn't quite look so different is because Wisconsin has nowhere near the skilled perimeter players that North Carolina or Ole Miss had when he was coaching both of those right. offenses. But what they did inherit is obviously offensive linemen and obviously two fantastic running backs. So what do you do? You can still spread people out. You can still get in four and five wide. You can still get in three by one sets. The run game doesn't change. You just might make it a little bit more difficult for people to load the box. I actually think that enhances their offense because when everybody knows that you're going to line up in 13 personnel or 22 personnel, you're kind of constricting the field, right? Well, now you're just taking those same running backs, widening the field, and you're creating space. So I think that creates huge challenges, and that'll be the challenge for, for Washington State uh, defensively, just like it was for Buffalo last week. But Washington State, again, another team with really good quarterback play yeah. that um, is a problem, and they can score. I, I think this is an intriguing matchup um, as well. Uh, Luke Fickle inherited the better team in terms of top to bottom, probably the better football team but they may not be as explosive as, as Washington State's capable of being. You mentioned Arizona, Mississippi State. You talked about that one. Stanford, USC. Now, look, USC is a huge favorite here against Stanford, but Stanford has made a coaching change. They look a little more dynamic offensively. It's not what you've seen under Harbaugh and David Shaw where you'll yeah. get two or three tight ends out there and run it a lot. They've opened it up a little bit. They would be a, It would be a massive upset, but I do think we've seen an improved Stanford so far. Yeah, I think we saw an improved Stanford. I, I was kind of surprised at how they dismantled Hawaii. I really yeah. was. And I actually like Daniels, their quarterback. He's kind of kind of an out-of-nowhere guy. I, and, and, you know, I was having somebody ask me about him. I was like, I got to go check back on him. Um, <laughs> and Because, you know, listen, Stan the bottom line is the last couple of years, there's been some serious talent lacking on, on Stanford's roster. And they are um, obviously hard-nosed, tough kids that are smart and they're heady. But so far, I like what I've seen. And, you know, the, the, the problem is when you're playing SC, if you're not equipped offensively to get into a track meet, that's how they mask all of their defensive deficiencies, right? And again, yep. you know, I keep talking about that turnover margin they had a year ago. That hasn't happened so far this year either. Uh, so we'll see, you know, what comes, what comes to fruition. But 
I don't know if Stanford's equipped to keep pace. And I have never seen, I don't know if in a two week span of time, I've ever seen so many explosive plays with people running wide open as I've seen with USC in the first two weeks. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and they haven't even gotten a whole lot out of Sanger. They're, they're, who was, I think everybody's always Zachariah Branch is oh, the no, best player boy. on that team outside of the stud. quarterback. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> yeah, he is a stud. And that, I mean, Sanger was supposed to be their leading receiver, and he's done very, very little. So if yeah. they ever get him more involved, look out for that offense. Um, well, I'll say this. What if Travis Hunter and Zachariah Branch were on the same team? I mean, I was watching Florida State Sunday night. All I could think of was Travis Hunter supposed to be on that defense. And I'm like, my gosh, that's such a good defense. You add him in there? Holy crap. I know. I know. Uh, and maybe that yeah. offense, too. They're so dynamic at receiver. But, I mean, he's that good that he could Oh, he's better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. that good. Yeah. Uh, UCLA is at San Diego State. Uh, I, I watched that game against Coastal Saturday night. And Coastal's kind of hanging around. And then Dante Moore gets in that. He gets in that rhythm. He gets that rhythm, and you're like, okay, this kid's got something. And then he's taking him right down the field. And I can't remember who your colleague was that was the analyst on the game. And they start praising him and how good he's playing and how good he looks. And then, boom, he throws an awful interception <laughs> in the end zone. Just a huge freshman mistake. But, boy, you take that away, and that kid looked yeah, pretty good. He did. That's so. That's, it always happens, too. I no know, matter every time. No yep. matter what. If you're on radio, you're on t TV, the moment you do it, it never fails. Uh, but I agree with you, and, and I thought – I thought he looked smooth. I thought he looked poised. Um, obviously, the arm talent and the physical attributes are all there, but talented freshmen are going to make bad mistakes, right? That's just that's part of the learning curve. It's part of the maturation process. So, if you're going to ride, if you're going to ride him, which is likely what I think they're going to end up doing, if you're going to do that, then there's going to be some really good, but then there's going to be some some plays that put you in a bind, and you're going to have to be willing to live with them. Um, Cal went to North Texas week one Ooh. and Jaden not ran it up and down the field. They won by 37 win going away yeah. at North, North, North Texas. And here comes Auburn. Hugh Freeze was interesting in his news conference talking about how difficult it is to go on a West Coast road trip, play a 930 game because you, you're completely off schedule in everything you do. And he seems really, really worried about this. Um, not to mention the fact that Cal under Justin Wilcox might be a little bit better than we thought they were going to be in the offseason. It's a late night 9:30 ESPN kick and a fascinating game to me. It should be a fascinating game cuz I agree with you. I had Cal and SC last year and and I got to see Odd up up close and personal. He's really really good. He is as advertised, but the rest of the team was really in disarray. And and you could tell there were going to be some staff changes. They needed to go in a, in another direction um and and did so from a leadership standpoint on offense. Got themselves a new quarterback with Jack Plummer moving on uh to play for for Louisville. I think a Justin Wilcox coach team is always going to be tough and disciplined, even if they're outmanned a little bit athletically. And I think that showed this past weekend. I mean, they they really, really took care of business. And, you know, that where Auburn's going into, it's it's a unique setup. It's it's a little bit difficult to get through up there in the hills of Berkeley. And you have a, a full bowl of a stadium, but it's not an overly uh, violent, I guess you could say, atmosphere. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, rockets. rockets. Great it's rockets. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not just. Oh my goodness! I can't hear. We're gonna have to come up with signals. Or it's not. It's not generally like that. The problem in that stadium is is Cal. Like they're they're scrappy and people undervalue them. And then they go out and they just play hard and they play good. And they may not look great on the hoof. And they may not. They may not be a team that you just get wowed. You know, with athletes at, at every spot. 
But I, I do think it'll be a challenge. I do think there's validity to to making that trip, especially if you're not accustomed to doing it. You haven't, you know, it's not like you do that once every two years, once every three years, you know, or once every other year. Uh, to me, I think Auburn will have the better athletes. And the what, what I saw from Auburn, and I know it was UMass, but they never one time, they didn't play down to the level of competition. They were organized. They were sharp. They were well-prepared. I kind of felt the same way watching them as I did watching uh, Colorado, where they were, they were, their guys were ready to play. Yeah. And the, the, the package with Robbie Ashford is something that I think is going to grow. They're going to continue to enhance it. It's going to cause problems. I think it will, it will significantly upgrade their willingness to be in four-down territory once they pass the 50-yard line. So that gives you another advantage. Now, all of a sudden, defensively, you're trying to prepare for Auburn, and you're going to have to prepare for what was a very efficient Peyton Thorne. And now, all of a sudden, this Wildcat package with option principles and the movement of the quarterback and, and all these different wrinkles, it's a lot, man. I, I thought it was really well done by Hugh Freeze and the staff. Yeah, that is a 9.30 late-night game. Before that, Alabama-Texas. Lugabale's about to give us a key to victory for Alabama, key to victory for Texas. A reminder, ball with Tom Lugabale, presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round gets you that sign-on bonus up to $200 for any sign-on over $50 right there at MyBookie.ag. Don't forget their parlay deal. Play a three-team parlay. You get those first two legs in the house. You don't want to sweat out that third one. They got a cash-out option. They're at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. Code next round to get sign up and uh, get that sign-on bonus. And also, don't forget our friends at Roback. They provide much of the apparel you see us wearing on the next round, and you can save 20% off your first order. Roback.com, code TNR20. That's TNR20 to save 20% off your first order at Roback.com. All right, Alabama plays Texas. It was a one-point game last year. Alabama very fortunate to win that game in Austin. Here's the return trip to Tuscaloosa. Queen Ewers. Getting the start, he was knocked out of this game by a hit by Dallas Turner last year. So he did not get to finish the game. And Lugabell, I, I think all, every Texas fan walked out of Darrell Royal Stadium. Mm-hmm. Every Texas player probably walked out and thought two things. If Quinn Ewers plays the whole game, and if Alabama didn't have Bryce Young, Texas wins that game last year. I think I thought it too. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> oh, did. Yeah, yeah. And and there's some validity to that. And you know, as 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 Nick Saban would always say, every team's different, every year is a different year. We're different. They're different. A lot of different faces. There's some things you can carry over and there's things that you can't. And so I, I, I probably oversimplify my analysis with this game. And I, and I think it, it comes down to make Texas one dimensional on offense by forcing them to have to throw the ball to stay in the game. And if you are Texas, you have to stop quarterback run. Make make Jalen Milrow beat you through the air because one team has a quarterback that you're not having to worry about their legs and all these creative plays and designated quarterback runs. So you're playing 11 on 10 for the most part. But when you have to prepare for Jalen Milrow, now it's a whole different animal. And both teams are preparing entirely different ways because of how the quarterback style is with, with each team. And, you know, I think this is the best opportunity for Texas because they are catching Alabama early. Um, and, you know, Jalen Milrow, I thought, looked really sharp. He was nasty in the run game. I mean, he was a problem. And he made some nice throws. Those windows are going to condense, like Nick Saban said in the in the press conference, when the level of competition goes up. So now the level of competition 
is is going up and and we'll see if he makes those same level and those same types of throws versus uh, a defense that, that Texas is going to bring to town but I think all the pressure here Ryan is, is on Texas yeah and, and the reason why I say that is like you know this is the best team Sark has probably had since he's been the head coach there but this team has not been able to get over that hump they've not outside really in, in the most recent years but outside of the the, the Sugar Bowl against Georgia, you know, they haven't been able to get that win that's in a highly anticipate, anticipated matchup where they're technically not supposed to, to kind of press the reset button. It's kind of like Harbaugh a few years ago where he he couldn't he couldn't beat teams that were ranked in the top 10. He, he rarely beat teams that were ranked in the top 20, and then they would struggle in a bowl game. And then he beat Ohio State one time, and all of that other stuff went away. It literally evaporated. That's what Texas has to do. If they want to take that next step, they that's exactly what they have to do. And they're going to have to do it on the road. And I, listen, I think this is a much more intriguing game because Jalen Milrow played well than had he not. And they played a bunch of quarterbacks last yeah. week. And now Alabama's going, okay, well, what exactly are we? I think they know a lot more about what they are and probably maybe even more so than they thought they would because of Milrow's performance. All right, so let me ask you an X's and O's question. Um, we saw Middle Tennessee try to spy Milrow's some, and it led to a great moment with Tyler Booker. The spy leaves the ground, Tyler Booker plants him. <laughs> when, when you spy a quarterback like Milrow, how does that impact Alabama's run game when you're having to de- dedicate a defender to spying the quarterback, and how does it indicate their coverage in the pass game, the defense's coverage in the pass game? Well, oftentimes the spy that you're going to have is going to come somewhere between the tackles, right? It's right. not it's not going to be a secondary guy come down. And it could be, but it, it that's generally not the case. But when you when you have a spy, you are you're, you're taking somebody out of coverage because they're they can only go into a certain location before they void that location and they're no longer in a position to make the play on the spy. So I think it limits your ability to cover certain areas of the field. As in if, so if the quarterback throws the ball, for example, and you have that one defender that's just mirroring him at the line of scrimmage, then there's open space somewhere there right. um, behind him. If, you are, if you're going to spy him and the, the quarterback escapes the pocket, right? the one thing that you do have is the person that is spying him is not voiding something to come up and take the quarterback. Whereas if this was just a normal coverage player, and he sees the, the quarterback, you know, escape and get, let's just say, flushed to the right. He comes off his guy because quarterback's coming out. Now he's voided his guy, and he's given the quarterback another option. But with the spy, you don't do that. The spy is obviously a lot. You, you've allotted it to that player and that player only. So you're gaining traction with that quarterback, but you're losing something in coverage because that player is no longer, that player's never been responsible for being somewhere. So to be honest with you, the spy can hurt you if the quarterback sits in the pocket and makes the throw. And that's what, that's if offensively, that's what you'd like to see happen because you're going to have fewer defend, one fewer defenders and more space behind him. He is ESPN's Tom Lukabil. That is Alabama, Texas. Uh, don't forget that game is coming up Saturday night, six o'clock ESPN uh, with Herb Street and Fowler there. Game day is there, SEC Nation, everything in Tuscaloosa this weekend. It's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere. A ball with Tom Lucaville presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign up right there at mybookie.ag for that sign-on bonus. And don't forget lanceslock.com. That's where you get the games you play at mybookie.ag. 
coming off a red-hot football weekend, including calling Duke outright over Clemson. Not a lot of people did that. You can get Lance's plays in daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, or a full-season package at lanceslock.com. Go sign up today and mybookie.ag code next round. All right, final topic. A game, I, I get hung up on these games in the offseason, and for whatever reason, Oregon and Texas Tech is a game I've been hung up on all offseason. Now, I thought Texas Tech would win in Wyoming. I'm a big Joey McGuire fan. I like him as a football coach. I find this to be a fascinating game in a really tough spot for Oregon. I remember bringing it up to you on our show, and you said, um, I, I, I can't feel the upset with Tyler Shuck at quarterback until I see a better Tyler Shuck. They're coming off a loss, so I don't know if you saw a better Tyler Shuck yeah. or not. Well, I thought he played really well, particularly early in the game, but that was before Texas Tech really started struggling. Now, coming into yeah. the game, Texas Tech lost one of their best defensive front players in Isaac Smith. He's out for the year, so he didn't make the trip to Laramie. Then their middle linebacker, Rodriguez, he recovers a fumble in the first half. He gets hurt, leaves the game, doesn't come back. They don't know what his status is. Then the penalty bug started to hit him. And they became heavily penalized. And one of the penalties was on what would have been an interception. So a little bit of what we saw last night from Clemson, Texas Tech had a little bit of that hit them too. And listen, <laughs> there's something about a, when my when my dad was a head coach at San Diego State, uh, not to get off point here, but they had Marshall Falk at the time. right? And they go up to Laramie. And this is when Laramie, when Wyoming had actual grass. They didn't have that beautiful brown and gold turf field that they have now. So the, the folks in Laramie decided they were going to flood the field. So the field turns into a slosh and mush <laughs> in, the, in the whole nine yards. But, um, but I, I say that because you add, it's just a quirky, weird, different yeah. place to play. Not a, huge, not a huge crowd, this and that. But my dad, my dad texted me Sunday morning. He goes, a damn Laramie trip. He goes, <laughs> he never forgot, did he? You go to Laramie, man. He goes, there's just, there's, there's something that makes it not, it, you're uncomfortable. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's just, it's weird. So, uh, and I, and I think that happened a little bit to Texas Tech and, and maybe Wyoming actually might be pretty decent too. Let's, let's give, let's give Craig Bowl and his staff, uh, some credit because those kids played really, really hard. Um, I think they both did enough to lose the game and, and maybe, Wyoming made one or two fewer errors to be able to win the game. And, uh, and again, one possessed that, you know what, that game is exactly what might be the PAC 12 every single week. Oh yeah. 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 I mean yeah. that, that type of scenario yeah. at the end of football games. So, um, so I think, I think Texas tech's got to regroup. They got to figure out how to get healthy if they can. And then, you know, I, I talked to Mike Elko this week and I talked to, to Dabo Sweeney and I was really really looking at it and I was looking for it in this first week. And you know, what are those things like pre-snap penalties, a snafu in the kicking game, uh, a personal foul. That's just a, a dumb boneheaded penalty, um, a, an injury at an inopportune time, a flag at an inopportune time. And you start to watch these games and you see, we saw it in Clemson and Duke last night. Um, we saw TCU do it. Colorado didn't right. We saw Texas Tech do it. Oregon didn't. So for me, like a lot of these teams will get past that after this week. I think across the board in college football, we'll see more, we'll see cleaner football and better execution. Um, and so that's why I think the score of the Oregon game obviously is a bit deceiving. That's not to diminish the job that Oregon did. I think Oregon's very, very talented. 
and but they're going to go on the road. Lubbock is number first of all getting from Eugene to Lubbock. That's like tough. that in that in itself, right? Yeah. And so then when you but when you get there, it's a hard place to play. I really was going to cool ask that. Atmosphere. It feels like like Wyoming. It's kind of just a weird place to play, isn't it? It's it, a tough it's, crowd. Tough crowd. Yeah, uh, obviously a lot bigger. Um, the crowd is is it's it's um they got a, let's just say they got a lot of auxiliary sound going on <laughs> during that game uh, when when they have a home game there. But it should be exciting. I'm 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 really excited to start seeing. I mean, listen, I understand we got to do the FCS matchups. I understand we got to do the group of five matchups. Sure. And some teams are going to play down to the level of those teams, and they're going to struggle, you know. And then other teams are going to do what Alabama did and what Georgia did, and and they're going to come out the way everybody expects them to. Uh, Auburn did a great job of that, you know. And then there's Ohio State in the Big Ten. I felt like that was the one game, Ryan, that with all of the new quarterbacks, and many of them looked very, very good, I came away from that game feeling like Ohio State had no juice. They didn't look like they had confidence on offense. Yep. Yep. Credit Indiana because they came to play. They came to play. But that's a team that's got Youngstown State this week, and there's no question they're going to have to keep playing both of those guys. So something clicks and, and, and one of them, you know, gets the hot hand. And by the way, I can't believe we haven't touched on this. And I was talking about some of these bad matchups in, in, in week two. Did you watch Texas A&M? I watched the, uh, I watched a, li- a good bit of the first quarter. Boy, they looked so much better. And Wegman, <laughs> he was efficient. He threw for five touchdowns. They just didn't, they didn't have that kind of efficiency. I mean, he, he was, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he was probably 70% passing. Oh, yeah, five touchdowns, yeah. and they, yep. they looked, like you said, they were efficient. They looked yep. organized. They weren't They just, They just. weren't in disarray. They That's were right. well-prepared, and I think we all know the way they've recruited there. They've got players. I mean, they've, yep. they've got dudes. Now, you add some organizational structure, and maybe the most important thing in all of sport, confidence. Yep. What if that team starts getting confidence and starts, you know, taking off? They could be a problem. Yeah, they see if it travels this week. They're in Miami. Interesting yeah. game there, too. All right, so Ball with Luca Bell presented by our friends at mybookie.ag. Code next round at mybookie.ag to get that sign-on bonus up to $200 with any sign-on uh, deposit of $50 or more. You're eligible for that bonus. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Make sure to use code next round. Next round when you go there. Lance'slike.com for all the winners coming off a great football weekend with another one on the horizon. Daily packages, monthly packages, weekly packages, full season right there at lanceslock.com and roback.com. Code TNR20 to get 20% off your first order at roback.com. All right, Lukes, uh, enjoy the Big Easy. You're headed to Ole Miss Tulane. Should be a fun game there, and yeah. it's going to be nice and warm on that sideline. Oh, man. I'll, you know what, though? It's funny you say that. So I've been down there. Yeah. This is my 10th year in the in the field analyst role. Right. My very first game was Texas A&M in Rice, the Johnny Manziel okay. first yep. half suspension yep. game. I remember it. And they still had that big black yeah. like perimeter around the field. It was 112 that day. And I'm not joking, up until last night, last night was competitive with it. Oh, the wow. More the sun went down, the hotter it got. More the temperature went up. <laughs> it was absolutely. My man Dusty Dvorak was in the booth, and they couldn't crank that air enough. He was dripping, like crushing. And they kept saying, "We're like, Luke, I don't know what you're going through down there because it's happening to us." You know, I mean, it was crazy. I on my fifth shower already. It was nuts. <laughs> All right, well, don't melt in New Orleans. I'll try uh, not to. Yeah, Ole Miss 
and uh, Tulane for Lugaville this weekend. Lugs, enjoy, man. We always appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, man.